Welcome to episode 27 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan, and I'm joined by, er, not Jason Lewandowski, but Scott Harrington. Yes, management is in the house, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. API allows every team and player the opportunity to benefit from video and analysis as coaching resources. Game event tracked by a team volunteer in real time and processed into reports and integrated with video to help teams improve play and develop players. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool and see a video demonstration. Well, Scott and Dan, last week we had the opportunity to speak with Brunswick, Ohio native, former St. Edward Eagle and Stanley Cup champ, Mike Rupp, who we all watch on the NHL Network now. It was great catching up with Mike and hearing his thoughts on player development and on his own path, including things he wished he had done differently. I found it quite interesting in his conversation, Scott, when he talked to us about you don't need to jump around to get to where you need to where you want to be. You know, he, he spoke about that numerous times. And I have to be honest with you. I know we haven't recorded it. A, a, it's been like a week and a half, but I've talked to a lot of people. Uh, who've listened to the podcast and they have found that to be very profound. Yeah, he had a, he had uh, a number of uh, pearls of wisdom there for, I thought it was very interesting that he said, and this is a guy who played 14 years in the NHL. He says, if I had to do it all over again, I probably would have gone to college. Right. And taken a different route. So, you know, usually we talk to guys and they're telling us what went right and how did they get where they were. And he had, he had some thoughts of how he might've done it differently. I mean, he talked about, going right from Ed's to the OHL and where he's, he had to fight a lot, you know, cause he's a big kid. So yeah. guys are going to go after him. And had he gone the college route, maybe would have developed some different parts of his game and uh, wouldn't have had to fight so much when he got to the NHL. I mean, that's how you, you kind of get pigeonholed into that role when you're six, five two twenty or whatever he was. Yeah. And, and, and he had a very, I mean, as we know, I mean, everyone knows who follows the game hockey he had a very good and prolific uh, pro career. But as you mentioned, it didn't start off the way that he thought it was. I mean, hell, he was going to be a fireman. You know, he told yeah. the story about how he was going to. And, and, you know, I forgive me for not giving shout outs to those firemen out there that that were pretty tight with like the Coin brothers. But, you know, he he talked about that. I was going to for, forget hockey and just become a fireman. And then he got that 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 lucky chance that honestly, this life, it doesn't matter if it's hockey, if it's profession, it doesn't matter what it is. You got to have a little luck with you. Yeah. And, and perseverance. There's a couple points there where he almost, like you said, he was going to be a firefighter. He talked about, and I knew all about how he scored the goals in the Stanley cup and, you know, game seven and all that. I didn't realize he was a black ace. Yeah. A week prior to that. Right. Where he said he was doing the math and he needed six guys to get hurt before he was going to get in the lineup. Right. Uh, and 
thought about quitting then, but, but kept after it. And, you know, there's some lessons there as well, but yeah, lots of good stuff about, you know, he's coaching some younger kids now and how you don't have to play hockey uh, 12 months out of the year. Right. Uh, even saying there was some kids that were better than him in Cleveland back when he was coming up, but they, they got burned out and he didn't because he, he took the summers off. Right. Played baseball in the summer, all that other good stuff. Well, then we had a chance to talk with Jean-Luc Grandpierre, the studio analyst for the Blue Jackets broadcast of the Fox Sports Ohio. The Hypernator talked to us about being a part of the Blue Jackets from day one of the expansion, expansion team and his transition into broadcasting. What a great time to have Jean-Luc come on our podcast and talk uh, when there's going to be an expansion team. And he, yeah. ta- he talked us through his experience there. You know, we, we talk about, you know, we talked to many guys so far about their draft day. What was it like when you got drafted? What was it like your first NHL game, this and that? Well, we actually had an opportunity to talk to a guy who, and when we talked to him, we did say this, we, a guy who wasn't wanted by a team and yeah. wasn't protected. And now you go to the expansion draft. You know, I think it was interesting. We talked about how Vegas, you know, hell, they have a, they had a lot of talent their first year. But I think a lot of it was the, the drive of those guys. They're professionals. And they were told that they weren't wanted. So what do guys and, and who are professionals do? Man, they put their nose to the grindstone and they get to work. And man, did they? And I think Seattle have the same group of guys. Yeah. You look like a, a guy like uh, William Carlson, who the Blue Jackets, unfortunately, let go. I think it was six goals he scored his last year in Columbus and then got 43 with mm-hmm. the uh, with the Knights. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, he's getting a lot more ice time, quantity and quality of ice time to go from six goals to 43. <clears throat> and things kind of self-corrected a little bit with him last year, going back to 27. But they had a bunch of guys that had career years their first year in Vegas because now you get to play a lot more than you were previously. Right. I know uh, same thing with uh, – Jean-Luc there he went he was a regular player in the NHL for the first three years I think that uh, the Blue Jackets franchise was around and he was you know uh, a little bit further down the depth chart there in Buffalo I have to say I absolutely loved his story about his first NHL game when he was plus four (laughs) 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 asked Dominic Hasek to buy his house yeah Uh, yeah great stuff I I you know I listen or just listen to him talk and and kind of going over some of these podcast that we've done it's it's just it's honestly the word funny is not the word but it's funny to hear these guys who've played at the highest level talk about you know the the butterflies and the nervousness you know we're talking about pro athletes here and and when we look when we think about pro athletes we think they're just so wired in that it's just that's what they do right um mike rupp talked about it game seven he goes down to get his his snack his pregame snack and he's nervous as all heck. <laughs> and he's talking about the guys who are like, eh, whatever, it's just another game. And that's when he realized they're, they're not going to worry about me. Yeah. They're going to worry about Scott Niedermeyer. They're going to worry about, you know, all these other players. So that's a great example of how your leadership group can uh, affect the rest of the guys in the room with their attitude and how they're feeling. So, yeah, and I think Dan Bilesman told us, talked about that too with his first NHL yep. game. His knees yep. were knocking, he almost fell over. and you know, yeah, he, yeah. He, was, he, 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 that was the one that he said he was 10 feet away from Wayne Gretzky when he was tying his skates. <laughs> First NHL game, you're 10 feet away from the great one, tying your skates, going, what the hell am I getting myself into here? So, yeah. um, well, hey, this I week's going to be... Say, oh, shit, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, uh, I also, I, I left uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. He talked, you guys talked about the poutine. Uh, I gave him a suggestion. There is an excellent one uh, here on the west side of Cleveland. So I let him know about that. He said uh, he was going to be up there that weekend. And if he had a chance, he'd check it out. I haven't heard back. So either he didn't check it out or it wasn't any good. I don't know. One of the well, other. well, hold on a second here. You, you, you let him know. I asked him the question. What was my name, Skip? You don't let me know about this great poutine oh, place? Oh, I missed that. I'll, I'll send it to you. I can't think of the name. It ah. in, I can't think of the name. Now, I, so uh, me. Was I, it, was it I, banter? I banter. There you go. Yeah. I think I think uh, the COVID, though, got him. Oh. And it closed. Really? I thought I read that That's somewhere. Terrible. I I've been there twice. I, I So here's the thing. After I suggested, I thought, oh, maybe it's, you know, to my unsophisticated palate, it's really good, but maybe he's going to think right. it's not, you know, up to snuff. I don't know. But uh, my mom's side of the family is uh, from Quebec, so I've had it before. It's good stuff. You know, I've only had it, like, you know, again, very amateur made. And I think it's the most delicious meal I've ever eaten oh, in my life. I mean, you, anyway, I, you put French fries and cheese and gravy. What the hell? I mean, come right. on. Yeah, not not if you're I'm, I'm trying to lose a few pounds. So that's not not on the not on the menu. Well, hey, guys, this week, uh, we're going to talk to a gentleman who developed an innovative new product, Athletic Performance Insight, that allows hockey teams to track advanced statistics and have access to some of the greatest analytical tools that a professional and college team could have. Eric Cagnia of Athletic Performance Insight will be joining us. Then we'll talk with the head coach of the 2019 and 2020 Baron Cup champion, Mentor Cardinals. Paul Makito, Mentor has put up back-to-back 30-win seasons, claiming both the regular season and league tournament titles in the red division of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League in each of the last two years. We'll talk about the Cardinals' recent success and see what this year's team looks like and how has he been preparing for the season that starts tomorrow, Friday. I know we're, we're uh, uh, recording a little bit late this week, but that starts tomorrow amid a COVID or a pandemic. So look forward to talking to those two guys. It's going to be a great show, uh, but let's see what's going on with the guys here. Uh, Danny, how you been? Been good? Uh, yeah, we've been good. The um, The fence is finally built in the backyard just in time before that, that cold kicks in. So I'll tell you, it's nice in the morning to just open up the door, let the dogs go and forget about them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I, I know you went with that. What did you go with the shadow box? Uh, yeah, we went with the, the shadow box to match the, the one neighbor already had half of it done. So we uh, just had to put up two sides to close it off. And now just, you know, getting ready to roll for uh, the season to start this week. And, you know, being back out on the ice this week with the boys and just, you know, back around the game. It's, it's, I'm looking forward to, you know, get going and right. hopefully we, uh, we don't get shut down. Everyone does what they need to do with this pandemic and we can have winter sports across the board. Right. Right. Well, we're missing Lev this week. Lev, uh, as everyone knows, uh, who listens to the show, Lev had himself a two week, uh, vacation from, uh, any work due to, uh, unfore- unforeseen situations. Uh, so he's back working and he's been working his tail off. So, uh, management stepped in. So Scott, what's going on with yourself or anything you want to talk about? Uh, just uh, started raking, doing a lot of that. Looks like it's going to be uh, raking wet leaves from the uh-huh. of uh, the yard 
right now. Uh, just like I mentioned before, on a diet, trying to lose lose a few pounds. I've got uh, my son's in Boy Scouts, and we have a a trip coming up this summer in June uh, to a place called Philmont, and it's like a rite of passage for Boy Scouts. It's a twelve day hiking trip where you pack everything in. You carry all, so we'll have like seventy pound packs we're we're carrying for twelve days. Oh boy, like about uh, 80, 90 miles, something like that, and. Uh, I'll be 51 in February and I have not worked out in quite a while. So I have a little work to do to get ready for that. I don't want to be the dad that gets life flighted out on the third right. day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so question, I actually, I've got two, a couple questions for this, but question, will you be that guy this winter in the YMCA or the gym you belong to, wherever it may be with the, with the backpack loaded with weights on the treadmill walking? No, I will be doing that, but not, uh, although I haven't thought of doing that on my treadmill here at the house. That's a good idea. I have one of the guys is already, he will get his backpack on. He'll walk down to uh, Columbia beach here in Bay, fill it up with nice rocks for his rock garden and then hike back to his house. Okay. I, that's a good idea. I'll probably start hiking with some, I don't know, some bags of flour in there or something to weight it down to. So I'm not worried about the aerobics side of it. I'll be fine. Um, I got a little disc issue in my lower back and I just got to get that straightened out before, uh, before the big trip comes. Gotcha. Well, that sounds like a fun before trip. That. And maybe, that, uh, I, maybe yeah, Lev will let you borrow his, uh, his hammock for the trees. I was going to go there, man. I know he's oh, we got be... one. Oh, you got a yeah. hammock. Oh yeah. We got a, uh, yeah. That we, uh, my son does. Well, we've got a hammock in the backyard, but my son for his camping trips has got, he's got the one you string between two trees. And, yeah. Danny, we must be missing out on something here because I mean, the, the, like people are into this, man. Oh yeah. You know yeah. what the best is the best night's sleep in the winter, go outside, sleep in the hammock in a sleeping bag. You've never slept so good in your life in the winter. Yeah. You, cause you're all inside and nice and warm. And it's cold outside. Nothing better. Okay. All right. Uh, and I, other I, than that, not to uh, talk shop, but just uh, got out and saw some live hockey games the last couple yeah. weeks. Uh, Tuesday night, I was over at Winterhurst to see Team Ohio and the Sylvania North Stars, and that was a, an excellent game. U eighteen, U eighteen, right? The U eight. That was U eighteens, right? Um, and I think they're playing right now. Actually, the the final game. Five fifty tournament. 550 yeah. today they're playing team ohio u18s are playing the bowling green uh some black uh, aces black aces well, there you I go made fun of, i made fun of my tweeted so that's the name of their team i said if it was a football team would they call them the taxi squad because that's what <laughs> right right and uh eddie powers email uh, texted or uh tweeted something about how they like the name and i have to admit they were the pretty sharp jerseys yeah right right white with the ace of spades on there so i got over to see that it was a good game um and uh and also i was out at men or icebreakers free agent camp a couple weekends ago and that was uh just nice to see some actual live hockey with guys skating around hitting each other so right right well uh like danny said we're starting here tomorrow uh for, on the high school side of it uh we look forward to doing that and i think next week uh, when we, when we talk, um, you know, I, I would probably at that point spoken to a lot of coaches around 
the city or state and, and um, you know, maybe I'd like to banter a little bit about, you know, high school hockey, what that might look like here in the next uh, few months. Cause um, you know, everyone thought, uh, obviously, as I, I said, we're recording on Thursday and everyone thought today that our state that were our County that we live in was going to go to purple per the state. And, and it did not. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, unknowns and uncertainties, but um, you know, every day is, is a new day. And we'll uh, we'll continue to push forward in this great game of hockey. It's always changing. Absolutely. There's no better way to get your company's message across to the hockey fans in and around the state of Ohio than advertising on Ohio Hockey Digest and the On Air podcast. You can connect your company or product with customers and support Hockey in Ohio at the same time. Contact Scott Harrington at 216-548-2345 or scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. In addition to a need for writers, the Digest is looking for an intern to help with pre-production of on-air podcasts, including research on guests and some writing for the show. These are outstanding opportunities for a student with an interest in sports journalism or broadcasting. Email scott at ohiohockeydigest.com and let us know you are interested. The NCAA announced four more years of Frozen Four in regional sites for the national tournament from 2023 to 2026. Tampa will get the Frozen Four in 2023. St. Paul is hosting in 2024, followed by St. Louis in 2025 and Las Vegas in 2026. I'd love to go out to Vegas for that in 2026. Back to bags now, boys. But the highlight of our audience is the fact that there will be a regional tournament held at the Huntington Center in Toledo in 2025. Bowling Green State University will be the host school for this event. Huntington Center previously hosted a regional tournament in 2013. Host schools do not automatically qualify for the NCAA postseason tournaments. Painesville native Declan Conway, the men are icebreakers leading scorer last season, was traded to the top team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League the last two seasons, the Carolina Thunderbirds. Conway was thankful for the opportunity to start his pro career at home in Lake County, but is looking forward to joining the Thunderbirds. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I definitely want to start a new chapter in life, and uh, the Thunderbirds are it's a good place to start, and they're a great team, obviously. Everyone knows that, and... Uh, I'm just excited to get started. Icebreakers head coach Sebastian Ragno said he made the move, which brought two players back from the T-Birds to shake things up. You know, we we didn't see him quite where he was last year in our lineup and um, thought that we'd kind of build up other parts of our lineup and uh, move him along and, you know, try to kind of recuperate the team and, uh, you know, almost uh, hit a reset button heading into this season. I'm sure it's disappointing for the Icebreakers fans to see their hometown star traded, but in the big picture, there's a lot of positive things happening out in Mentor Civic Arena with the Icebreakers. Uh, they are set to play their season opener December 18th and have tickets on sale now. I just posted a story on OhioHockeyDigest.com yesterday. I encourage everybody to go take uh, go take a look at that. Um, during this time where everything at the higher levels, the pro and the college game is all shut down, Everything's moving forward out there. They had a free agent camp. They had a dispersal draft. They've had some trades, um, lots of things going on, and they'll be starting their uh, main camp for the first weekend in December. Former Miami University head coach Enrico Blase, a 
recent guest, and might I say, one of the best that we've had Fantastic. of the on-air podcast, has been hired by Providence College as the Associate Athletic Director for Men's and Women's Hockey. He will also have responsibilities with the management of Providence College's Schneider Arena. I just have to say that when I when I read this online, um, I was I wasn't shocked. I was a little shocked because, uh, and you know, Rico talked to us a lot about him wanting to be back on the bench. Right? This is obviously a management position for him. This is obviously right for him, which I cannot wish him uh, best of luck. I, I'm, I'll be following him. I, I the the conversation we had uh, that night was something that was so profound, not only for a podcast, but I have to be honest with our listeners, for me as a coach and me as a hockey person, uh, really, really hit me hard and really hit me strong. Uh, I wish Rico the best of luck. Um, I know he's going to be working with another Ohio guy, uh, Nate Lehman, who's from Centerville, Ohio, who's the head coach of Providence College men's team, uh, who's led them to the last, well, it's a six straight NCAA tournaments, including the national championship in 2015. So. Uh, Rico, best of luck from myself personally, and also uh, the On Air podcast. Yeah, it's an interesting hire. I guess you know, how would you like to be the head coach at a for a college team, and then they hire <laughs> Enrico Blasi to be your boss? Well, you know, I mean, so you, your yeah, first thought is something there, right? Right. Yeah, your first thought is you'd be looking over your shoulder, but this guy's he's young. He's been very successful there, so I don't think it's a situation where they're bringing him in as the heir apparent, you know, to move Nate Lehman out, I wouldn't think. No, I, I, again, I don't, I don't know. Um, all I do know is that Providence college got even stronger, uh, oh, yeah. this, this month with the hire of Rico Blase. And Schneider arena, great place to see a hockey game, by the way. Uh, you guys know, I went to UNH, we played yeah. down there in a playoff series. I went down to watch the game and the front row of the seats on the glass, your feet are at the top of the boards. Ooh. So you're literally right. Like the, yeah. the glass is right. Oh, it's unbelievable to see a hockey game there. Schneider Arena, great place oh, to see a game. That's great. The Ohio High School Athletic Association said winter sports are set to move forward as scheduled, but they also released some requirements of particular interest to me were these two bullet points. Uh, Sully, all those on the bench shall observe social distancing of six feet and players who are not one of the six players on the ice and all bench personnel shall wear facial coverings. What's okay, your understanding so, of those, those two rules? So my understanding of those two rules, and we have a meeting, uh, uh, you know, a bunch, a couple coaches, including myself around the Ohio High School Athletic Association Coaches Advisory Board. And we have a meeting coming up. And, and here, here's our situation with this. And, and to our listeners out there, I want you to understand um, that, I, that I understand this, this disease is real. Uh, the, the other guys on this Zoom uh, no, on a personal level, I lost my mother-in-law a week and a half ago to COVID-19. So I know it's real. Okay. Um, but I also know that this disease attacks and it preys on certain people, the elderly with pre-existing conditions, you know, and, and others with pre-existing conditions. So when I, when I talk about what I'm going to talk about, I don't want our listeners to think that I don't think this is real. Okay. Uh, to observe social distancing, of six feet or more on the bench is at, it's impossible. So if the state of Ohio is going to say, this is a mandated, this is a requirement. Well, then they might as well tell the coaches and the players you're not playing this year because it, it that you can't, we cannot follow that. It's impossible. You can't even do it. I, like I think about our, 
our, our rinks in an area. The rink with the biggest bench is Kent State. It was a it's a college rink, and we still couldn't do it there, right? So then they say those players not playing on the ice when they come off the ice, they have to be on the bench wearing facial coverings. Okay, I un- I understand that. So I've always been. Maybe you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I've always thought through this whole thing that is that if you don't have a facial covering, you need to be six feet apart. So now they're one or the other, right? So now they're telling us to be six feet apart and wear facial coverings on the bench. So there's so much wishy-washy stuff. Now, I will be honest with you. I just bought 75 gators for my high school hockey program. They will wear them. They're, They're half the size of a normal gator. They'll wear them on their neck. When they come off the ice, they can take two fingers, pull them over their nose, and they can wait for the next shift. Now, if they come off, they're getting a sip of water, they need to go back on, but if they didn't get their gator up, they didn't get their gator up. We're going to try our best to, to, to follow the guidelines. But then I also asked the state of Ohio and the National Federation, you want our players to wear facial masks or facial coverings on the bench, but you don't allow us to take our face masks up or our helmets off on the bench. That's a penalty. So these recommendations and these requirements that the state are putting out, again, I get it. I understand. However, like, like I, I go and watch my daughter play volleyball every, every week. When she's on the floor, they're playing. When she's off the floor, she sits six feet apart from somebody and they put masks on. Yeah. That, that's not possible for hockey. Yeah. So if we can't follow that, then the state of Ohio might just say, might as well just say now, we're going to postpone you or we're going to cancel the season. I, I don't know how I don't know how else to say it. You know, I, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that I'm not going to listen. I'm mandating that my guys wear facial coverings in the locker room at all times. Right. If that's because if, if we if we do get a, a kid with a, a, a positive test, we don't have to quarantine the kid that's on the other side of the room we'll probably just have to quarantine those two that's next to them. Mm. Right. But how does that, how does that work when you're playing in a game? I I don't know. What, what's USA hockey doing about it? Cause they're out there playing right now and no one's wearing a mask on the ice or no one's wearing a mask on the bench. Right. And you have to figure the the people that wrote the rule know that hockey players are generally not going to be able to sit six feet apart on the bench when they wrote that. So you would think if it was not going to be possible, if they weren't going to allow some leeway that the message would have been, we're not going to play hockey. Right. And, and, and again, people who wrote this rule also know that hockey players come off the bench and boom, right back on the bench as fast as they come on the bench. Right. You yeah. just don't, I mean, they could be sitting there for a minute and a half. They could be sitting there for 27 seconds. Yeah. You don't know. Right. Um, I, I, like I said, we're going to do, we're going to follow the recommendations, follow the, the requirements. Our guys are all going to have gators. They're all going to, when they come off the ice, if they're done getting, because they'll have their own water bottles, no one, no cross-contamination water bottles, they'll, they'll be told, put the gator up. Now, it's going to be hard, Scott. I mean, do I, do I, I think about, uh, oh, I forget the guy's name, uh, the guy that coaches the LA Rams, or I don't even know if they're called the LA Rams anymore. Yeah, the LA Rams, McVay. Okay, the, the head coach McVeigh for the football team. He's got a guy that it, they call him a get back guy because McVeigh's on, on the field the entire time running around, right? And hit, this guy's job, look it up. 
uh, to our viewers yeah. or to our listeners. Look at his job yeah. is to pull this guy back off the field so he doesn't run, doesn't get run over by the ref or something. He's a get back guy. Do I have to hire a guy now that just goes up and down the bench as a mask guy? Yeah, pull up the mask. Because I, I'm trying to coach a hockey team. Yeah. And it's tough when you come off the ice at the end of a shift, you're trying to catch your wind and you got to pull that mask up yeah. over your nose and yeah. your mouth. That's yeah. not going to be fun either. No, but, but no, it's not going to be, but if we, if this is something that we have to do and we have to attempt to do, then we'll do it so we can play. And again, I, I, I want to reiterate to, to our listeners, you know, I'm, I know that, trust me, if they're, if they're, I know, I mean, on this zoom call, trust me, I know personally that this is for real. Yeah. I mean, I mean, part yeah. of the big reason why we're, why we're recording late is because of my situation and my family. I get that. So I know it's real, but I also know what's realistic and what's yeah. not. The Columbus Mavericks of the United States Premier Hockey League added three college hockey sophomores to their roster and sent a player to the Wooster Oilers to complete an earlier trade. The Mavs signed Medina B's alum, Danny Beebe and George Zimmerman. Beebe, a Ford, played at John Carroll University last season, while Zimmer, a defenseman, was with the University of Cincinnati. Ohio University Division II defenseman Hayden Ripley, who played for the 16U AAA team for the Cleveland Junior Jacks, was also signed as a free agent. Beebe and Zimmer were in the lineup Saturday as former Mentor Cardinal Alex Toth turned aside 29 shots in a 6-2 Columbus win. Zimmer was happy to get back on the ice. I was interested in playing since we were not able to have a season the first semester. So I decided I'd be willing to play till December and, uh, you know, see what comes about that. And I also recommended Danny um, since we're good buddies and he took him as well. And for right now, it's it's not permanent. Uh, we're looking to just see what happens. We don't know what's going to happen in the second semester of our Cincinnati season, so we just got to wait and uh, play it by ear. Columbus head coach and GM Nate Hadrahan saw some good hockey players sitting at home and was proactive. I'm trying to stay active and understanding what kind of that world is looks like for the college kids, also for different levels and tiers of junior hockey and just trying to do everything we can to put the best club on the ice we can. To clear some space on the roster, Columbus sent 19-year-old forward Colby Slate to Wooster. Slate is a native of Jamestown, Ohio, and Dayton Stealth alum. The Erie Otters announced that defenseman Artem Kulikov, Erie's second-round pick in the 2020 import draft, has committed to the team and completed an OHL standard player agreement. Kulikov, a six-foot two, 176-pound defenseman, served as an alternate captain for his Spartak St. Petersburg U-17 squad, and posted 40 points in 29 games played last season to lead all defensemen in scoring in the Russian U-17 league. So last week we saw Jamie Drysdale from the Otters uh, defenseman go sixth overall to the Anaheim Ducks, and now that they got this kid back there, so yeah. looks like they'll have some uh, exciting puck-moving defensemen there in Erie this season. Absolutely. Team Ohio announced an addition to the front office last week with Joey Young joining the organization in the role of general manager. Young graduated from Miami University in the spring with a degree in sports leadership and management. While at Miami, Joey served as the assistant director of hockey operations and video coordinator for the Red Hawks varsity hockey team over four seasons. Young grew up in Chagrin Falls, Ohio, attended Gilmore Academy, and was a member of Team Ohio U16 team and U18 teams as a player. 
Patrick Metzger, owner of Team Ohio, commented on the hype. With Joey's vision and my vision of what we're trying to do and take our program um, to the next level, um, we were, were super excited to uh, work out an agreement that Joey joined us. And, uh, it, you know, he started about two weeks ago and uh, couldn't be happier. And finally, we should have an update next week from Ohio Hockey Digest senior writer Jim Smith on the situation with the Kent State University ice arena closure. Uh, but I did hear that they were taking the ice out this week. So it doesn't look like uh, they're going to be having any hockey there uh, at KSU anytime soon. Yeah, I heard that as well from a pretty close source that the ice was being melted, if you will, and not quite sure what's going to happen there. The second period of this week's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight Video, an analytics system. Amateur hockey, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more. We are heading down to Central Ohio now to speak with the man that can help your amateur team access professional analytics. Eric Cognia, founder of the Athletic Performance Insight. Let's welcome on air Eric Cognia. Eric has developed Athletic Performance Insight, a hockey video and analytics system designed for teams at the youth travel, high school, and college club levels. By replacing clipboards with an efficient tablet-based app, transcribing data into digital form has been eliminating, creating improved efficiency and quicker access to analytics. Tagged events, including a wide variety of metadata and shot locations, have coordinate assigned for improvement data flexibility and a timestamp exists for each event following video to be integrated. Coaches, players, and analysis can easily filter video by event type, game situation, player, etc. Giving your team access to some of the same kinds of analytics the pros and Division I college programs have. Please welcome on air Eric Cagna. Welcome, Eric. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me. So Eric, uh, we're really excited to have you on here. I mean, this uh, all sports, not just hockey, but all sports in life has come to uh, the reality of analytics, right? Uh, I mean, we can go all the way back to Moneyball. We can go back to whatever we want to go back to, but everything has gotten back to analytics and how do we do it easy? So yeah. tell us, first of all, a little bit about your background professionally and then your background with hockey. Why did you want to do this for hockey? So I've uh, actually been involved in investment management for 25 plus years now. I'm on the, the fixed income side. I manage a bond portfolio for the Ohio Public Employee Retirement System. And that obviously is a highly quantitative uh, field. And the area, the niche that I'm involved in deals with a lot of non-standardized data and information. So as I've learn to sift through that data and compile it and present it in ways that are helpful and meaningful, it really lent itself to, to, to developing um, this system for, for sports analytics as well. They, they have some pretty strong parallels to each other. And as my, my son uh, came up through the hockey ranks and myself and a, a team of parents, um, you know, four or five years ago, started well, we volunteered to do the the stats for a team so we started out you know a couple guys with clipboards and at the end of each weekend I'd, I'd take all the data and come home 
log it into Excel. I'd be dragging dots around, making shot charts. And it was, it was, it was really fun and, and interesting, but man, it took a ton of time. And I started looking around for, you know, uh, an existing product that would help make that a little bit more efficient of a process. And I, I couldn't find anything that just checked all the boxes that we were looking for. So that's, um, that was the genesis for me kind of going down this road and deciding to try to do it myself to find something that was uh, easy to use, flexible, you know, teams that had basic needs could use it or teams that had really sophisticated desires could use it. And it was still affordable for, you know, your typical youth hockey or high school team. So where, when you have this great idea, what's the first step for our, uh, entrepreneurs out there, what, what do you do? How do you start turning that great idea into a reality? What do you do first? Swallow real hard first. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then just start to put the pieces together. You know, it's really kind of, honestly, it's, uh, you know, you maybe, maybe people have gone through the process themselves, but you start to, to take, okay, what are the different pieces that I need? What are the elements what are the resources that I need? I'm not, a, I'm not a computer programmer. I wish I was at this point, but I'm not. So, you know, it's finding the right people to partner with in that regard. And then trying to, you know, do it in a, in a thoughtful process where you're not, you know, you're not spending extra money, you're not backtracking and doing things improperly. So, you know, it's kind of mapping it out but you know you're always going to you know have to go back and and do some things over or you get feedback and say okay what i thought was a great idea 10 different people have told me no that doesn't work very well and then you have to rethink it and go back and and figure out a new way to tackle the the problem so that's that's really the first step is just thinking about the pieces and finding the right people to partner with and then you know, slowly starting to build the product and get feedback and make sure that it's meeting the needs that, that you think it is. Yeah, I assume if it's a software or an idea for an app or something like that, the first question is whether you know how to write the code yourself or not. <laughs> yeah. And if not, you got to find it, find that person. Yeah, I can, I can make an Excel sheet dance pretty well, but we go <laughs> past that and uh, it's, it's all, it's all foreign to me. So um, I've been very, very fortunate. Um, I, the very first program team I had that made the beta product for me, um, you know, they got me started, um, very appreciative of them. But as time went on, I kind of felt like I probably needed a firm with a little bit deeper resources and um, managed to hook up with a, a local company here in Columbus and um, had them totally rebuild the product uh, from the ground up last summer. And they've been great to work with. So we, we did that initial rebuild and then we've done you know, two or three kind of significant upgrades over time as well. And we have a new one just getting ready to come out in the next week or so. Nice. So uh, as a high school hockey coach uh, for many years, and again, having to sit down, like you said, Eric, and, and still, I'm, uh, I would say I would be lying if I, if I said I still do my stats, but uh, the, the Ohio uh, Hockey Digest does a great job of doing that for us. So, um, that I'm, I'm talking to you management, Thanks. right? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the plug. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but I still do the pen and paper uh, or actually pencil and paper because I make a ton of mistakes. So walk me through and our listeners, like, you know, how does this work? Yeah. You know, what's the data input? What's the reports? What's the videos? 
because everything's videos these days. Everything's all. Can you just walk us through this, how this works? Absolutely. So there's really two pieces to the system. There's a, a website and then there's an app, a native app. You know, you'd go to Apple Store, Google Play Store and download it onto a tablet. First piece, you start with the website, you go in, you go in, you, you set up your organization, you know, establish your teams, build your roster out. A really important step at that point, too, is as a team deciding what information do I care about? One of the big goals of mine was not to have this kind of very um, forced box that made teams track stuff that they don't care about. But I only want teams to get what they need. Um, and, and that might not even be, a, you know, a consistent set of data from one one you know weekend to the next. Maybe coaches are looking and saying, hey, we're having a, a you know, a really hard time breaking out of our zone. Let's track that this weekend and see, you know, see if we can start to, to look at some patterns here and what our problems are. The other hand, you may have teams that, that want that consistent set of data. It's all good to me. I just want teams to get the information that they need and they care about and at the level of detail that they need as well. So once that's all set, you build your schedule and then you would refresh the app once you have it downloaded and you have the, your full schedule on the tablet at that point. You'd select a game and there's really, there's, there's three taggers embedded into the app. There's a primary one, the event tagger, but just to talk about the other two super quick first, there's a time on ice tagger, exactly what it sounds like. If you're a team that really wants to get down into the weeds and, and look at maybe some of those advanced uh, analytics like a Corsi or something like that, where you need time on ice by player, there's an app for that. There's That's part of the app. Um, very simple, just binary state. As players come onto the ice, you toggle them on. As they come off, you toggle them off. Um, the other piece, pretty simple actually, but it's a video tagger, what we call it. And really all that does is create timestamps. And what I'm trying to do there is allow coaches to um, be able to locate plays that, that aren't, you know, kind of a standard tagged event. So in other words, it might be a back check or it might be a really nice play where, where someone supported uh, another player down low. Coach say, hey, that's, that's great. I'd love to be able to show the team that on video. Just simple button, you know, it's kind of broken up. Good play, bad play, offensive zone, neutral zone, defensive zone. Tap one of those buttons and it creates a timestamp. So now instead of a coach going back and filtering through the video and, you know, spending 10 minutes with every, all the kids sitting there uh, getting more and more restless, they can go right to those, those plays and pull them up and not waste time. So those are kind of the two ancillary taggers. The main one is what we call our event tagger, and that's really the, the core of the system. And if you can picture it, like most, you know, back when I used to do the clipboard thing, probably what you've seen, you know, it's, it's set up something like that. You've got a rink on the tablet, you've got some buttons on the bottom, you know, shot, miss, block shot. At the top, you've got face-off information, and then you're just really just using your finger and tapping along to record the different events. So for instance, you have a shot by our team, you'd be shot button, place on the ice, the number of the player that shot it, that event is saved and it moves along. And you can, as I mentioned, you can really set it up to get as detailed as you want. So in other words, maybe most teams only care about the shot location. 
maybe some teams really want to know the result of the shot. Do we have guys that are just firing it straight into the goalie's chest from 40 feet out time after time after time, never creating any rebounds or, you know, or difficult situations for the other team? Well, they can go ahead and they can set a different level of detail and track that result. So it would be a shot that resulted in a rebound or it resulted in a frozen shot, you know, a frozen puck, et cetera. Another example would be face-off information. Instead of just having win or loss, or you can or you can track, you know, players that get kicked out as well. I have it so you can set another level of detail and go into was it a clean win or was it a team win? Was it a clean loss or a team loss? So if you've got a guy that's great at picking it clean and you want to get back to, you know, you've got a critical situation in the game and you know that he's particularly good at picking it clean, uh, when a rep, particularly when he's on his strong side, you've got that information at your, you know, at your fingertips and, and you can start to make those type of really granular decisions uh, with the information that we're gathering. So as game goes along, you're, you're tapping away, you know, and it's, try to make this very, very efficient. So um, there's no real drop down menus or anything like that. Like I've seen some of the basic apps where it's just not realistic to track this information the way they have it set up. If you're going into a drop down menu and having to select a player and then you go to the place on the ice, it's too slow. Hockey's too fast of a game. So we've tried to make that app as efficient as possible, as few you know, taps as possible to get as much information as possible. So you go through the game, you're collecting your information, you get to the end of the period, you hit an end period. If you're say a high school team or a college club team um, and you have a coach that, that wants to see that information between periods, at that point you can upload the data and all the reports that we have that you would normally look at, You know, most teams probably at the end of the game are available between periods there for coaches to get a look at how the team's doing. If you're a team that, you know, doesn't, doesn't worry about that, they'd rather just kind of, you know, focus on the, the immediate needs and not get into the details between periods or you're a younger team that doesn't have the ice cut, you just keep tagging along. And then at the end of the game, it's the same process. At that point, you just need an, an internet connection, you upload the data and immediately all those reports are available. Wow. I'll, I'll mention too that the app it works offline, so you don't need an internet connection during the game to be doing the tagging. Um, we all know, I mean, most ice rinks are like, you know, elaborate bomb shelters essentially trying to get an internet connection. So, you know, so one of the things we made sure of right from the very beginning was that it works offline. This is, uh, this is awesome. For, and, and this is one interesting thought I had was there's such thing as too much information like you talked about in between periods yeah so i'm thinking sully if i ran down in the first intermission and handed you four pages of numbers you really don't want to see that right then no no but you know I what mean, though no but but so if, you can if, pick what you want to see right if, if i the rest if I, for later yeah if i said listen uh, what was my face-offs in the first period yeah and and, and because you're you're right eric in the th five minutes to go in a third period if you're in your defensive zone you want your best face-off guy out there. So if I have that on my, you know, and it, it, it again, in high school, it changes every day because they're so inconsistent. I love my guys, <laughs> but they're so inconsistent. But if you have it, what's right for that day, and you said it's just, it's, it's instant, right? Yep. 
as long as you're up, you're, as long as you're uploading, it's not a continuous upload. No, so right, that right. Goes, yeah, but but if you know if you're getting that upload, so at worst case, you know, in a in a high school team that that is getting those ice cuts, you'd have you know information for for two periods through that game. You'd upload, and going into the third period, the coach would have exactly like you said, who's hot this game, who's you know. Who's, who's dominating? Who do I want out there right at the end of the game for a critical situation? And that's hey, uh, hey, real quick. Hey, Dan, I hope you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, currently signing us up for our account right now. So oh, good. we'll be good, good to go. All right, good. And we got to get a printer in the locker room too. So I, I actually have a, uh, an unnamed team that is exactly working on that right now. The, that's uh, fantastic. That, that's the plan is to get a couple uh couple portable printers and have be able to hand the stuff the uh the sheets to their coaches as they walk in wow. now, eric let me let me ask you a quick question if if, the, if a coach is on the bench or let, let's just say if we're i mean if we're going to get to 2020 and let's say the the coaches have tablets right like small yep. handheld tablets can that information be shared absolutely it's again it comes down to you need to have that internet connection to upload the data. Okay. So, you know, that, that's the question is, you know, how good is your rink? Some rinks are great. You know, they, uh, they, they're fabulous for getting that internet connection and having connectivity. Some, you know, it, it's, you, the only way to do it is to get outside basically. So part of it depends on the venue and just, yeah. you know, how, how well equipped it is. But if you have a place where it's a good internet connection, um, you know, you could do it as quickly as, you know, if you've got an icing and you've got those 15 seconds that they're getting organized, it probably takes four or five seconds to upload the data. So in theory, the coaches could have a tablet on the on the bench with them. And as, the, uh, you know, the people from above or, you know, on the side of the rink or wherever they're doing the tagging from uploads the data, it would be immediately available for the coaches to check out. Scott, are you laughing because you've seen the smoke come out of my ears and my eyes roll? The, the, the uh, competitive advantage uh, <laughs> that you're trying to gain right now. Uh, cutting absolutely. Edge, cutting edge. Oh, this is awesome. This is unbelievable. And the uh, a lot of the – and I will say also uh, there's a great four-minute video on your website that it does a really good job explaining this. So people should go to www.athleticperformanceinsight.com. I guess api.com was taken. Uh, and check out the video. Um, I wanted to keep the name nice and short and concise, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but hey, hey, Scott, Scott, quick question. Can we yeah. put this, can we put his website on the digest and just people can click on it? It is already up on the front page of ohiohockeydigest.com. Yeah. And, that's, and I'll, Danny, that's why he's management right there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually, I, I do have an updated video that's going to be getting linked in, um, you know, within the next day or two. I actually have a YouTube channel as well, where there's tons of the different uh, games that I've been to and have done the video for that gets linked in. That's all, you know, kind of in its raw form on YouTube. So the, the latest uh, demo video is, is on there as well, and it'll be getting linked into the site um very soon but if should we talk about the, the video aspect a little bit as well now or uh one more question for yeah yeah we move on to that um i think the, this is an immense amount of data and i think as uh teams think about implementing something like this the first question that they're going to have first question i had 
how many people does it take to collect all these data points while they're watching a hockey game? Yeah, so that that really comes back to, you know, kind of where we started at. What do you care about as a team? I mean, for the teams that I'm, you know, I'm working with and, and as I'm doing demos and starting to get them set up and familiar with the system, that's one of the first questions we always start with is, what do you care about? What's most important? Because, you know, I go through what we just talked about with you guys and, and there's, you know, a, a bunch of different events that we haven't talked about, zone exit, zone entry in multiple levels of detail, et cetera. And teams go are like, yes, give it to me. And I'm like, wait a second, you, you know, getting all of it is just not realistic, particularly as you have someone who's, you know, learning to use the system. I think it's pretty easy and that's the feedback that I've gotten but like anything, it still takes a little bit of practice and getting familiar with kind of, you know, the motions and, and being learning to get really efficient with it. So that's the thing that I, I guide them back to is what do you need? Would you, would you, what, I don't mean to interrupt you, would you suggest that teams focus on maybe four or five major things? Exactly. To start out with, that's what I typically recommend. I'll say, okay, let's, let's focus on, you know, everyone wants face-off information. Everyone wants shot information, right? Shots, misses, block shots. You get a lot of information, you know, obviously with goals. And then, you know, I, I think something that probably gets um, under tracked, I'd say at, at the levels that we're talking about is the zone exit and zone entry information. So maybe that's in there as well. Um, you know, giveaway and takeaway can be very subjective. And I yeah. think that can throw people for a loop. So that's, you know, something that I think is probably either for more advanced or teams that really, really want to kind of start getting down into the weeds. So I'd start with maybe those, you know, those three big, um, you know, areas to track. And then, you know, as teams get more comfortable, as, as the people doing the tagging get more comfortable, you can, you can add, you know, an extra um, event or two, or, you know, or maybe make it a little more detailed. As I mentioned, we're, we are going to be releasing a new version here in the next week, maybe a little bit more. And one of the big, probably the biggest uh, difference in the new version is that we are now able to have two people tagging at the same time. So previously you were limited to just one person using the tablet and the, the event tagger. Now you can divide those events up between two people and say, okay, you know, you, you do the face-offs and the zone entries and you do all the shot information and checks if you want. And, you know, and that way you're not overwhelming one person because sometimes a lot of the time it's, you know, maybe it's a parent that's doing this right and and they don't want to, you know, spend two thirds of the game kind of frantically tapping or anything like that. So the ability to to divide it up, I think, makes it a little bit more palatable to get those volunteers um, involved to do the tagging for teams. So, Scott, I know you're going to go with your next question here, but. Uh, just to our listeners, if something's very something that's very dear to my heart is one of those four, uh, especially at the Bantam level and up, should always be block or shots blocked, right? Yeah. So we want we want to get we want to make sure that we we don't let those pucks get to the net. So that yeah. should be one of those four. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> and if, if if I'll take one second to add to that, so with our with the tagger. Um, you know, if we want to walk through a, a blocked shot, so the other team takes the shot, we would tap block location on ice. And the tagger is, is divided up, basically takes the rink and breaks it in half. So anything um, 
you know, any anything that's tapped onto the attack side of the rink is is attributed to the primary team. Anything that's tapped on the uh, defending side of the ice is attributed, you know, to the to the opposition. So basically, it would be block uh, tap from the location on the defending side of the ice where the shot occurred, and then the player that blocked the shot. And if you can't spot, like sometimes it, it gets a little congested in front of the net and you're not really sure who did it, there's a question mark and you, you hit the question mark, the event is saved. And then if you've got the video after the fact, you can go back and filter on all those question marks and say, okay, oh, it was number 22 that blocked that. So that you're not guessing or, you know, or getting left behind for the play. The other thing that you can do then is go back into that event editor and you have the ability at that point to add where the shot was blocked as well. So, you know, do you have a guy that's particularly good at blocking shots, you know, two feet in front of his goalie all the time, and you want to point that out to him? <laughs> you have the data to show this kid, hey, you, you got it, you know, you, you're doing a wonderful job screening your goalie. Let's, let's figure this out a little bit, buddy. So, um, you know, so again, it's, it's as much information pretty much as you want to get into. Um, it's, it's, it can get quite deep if you want to. And the, so when you say you can get deep Corsi, you, you said specifically, that's one of the things you can track. So yeah. I don't know if, uh, people listening, if they, uh, how much they know about the advanced analytics, but that's basically all of the shot attempts for and against while a player is on the ice, not just his own shots right, or, right, or anything right. like that. So it's basically a really good measure of how, how your team controls the play when a player is on the ice then you can compare it to the team other players on the team and things like that and get some really interesting information but um we should uh mention also that this syncs up with video so if you want to tell us how um you can do the with these event tags you can then sync it up with the video and stack up videos after with the uh the events you want to look at exactly so you know i've one of the things that was important to me when we were starting to design this as well is leveraging this work that, you know, that people are doing as much as possible. So you're tagging all these events on the, on the tablet and you upload them and you get a lot of pretty cool reports, but how else can we use all that information? And, and the fact is, as you're, you know, the fact that you're doing it digitally allows you to create these timestamps, right? So every event that you're entering has a, a timestamp to it as well. And I'm talking, um, the global clock, not the game clock. I mean, game clock is great, but that's really for our system, just the label. It just kind of tells you when it occurred in the game. It's not going into any, any calculations or anything like that. So what we do is um, our system is integrated with YouTube right now. Um, we'd love to expand that and we're looking at that. And our hope is that as time goes on that we're able to, to utilize um, additional video sources but for right now it, it is integrated with youtube so a team would take take the game video upload it onto youtube um most people are probably familiar with that you know that share link that you can get you go back into the uh the website and paste that link into the game information and at that point what it does is automatically integrate with all of those different event tags that you've been taking so as a as a you know kind of an example let's say the game started exactly at 7 p.m and somewhere in the second period exactly at 8 p.m a shot was registered 
the system knows to take that video then and fast forward it, you know, exactly one hour to that point in the video so that you can go right to that event. And there's a, a, a wide variety of filters. So you can, you can really, you know, you can use them one at a time. You can look at team, you can look at event type, game situation, um, player, et cetera. So if you wanted to say, show me all of our face-offs uh, while we're on the power play, you set those filters, hit search, and you know the list of the 10 or 12 face-offs you took while you're in the power on the power play of that game appear to the right. And then you can just, you know, go right through them and, and show them to the to the kids. We we do have the ability also to you can have up to three video angles linked in uh, that sync up. So you have one larger screen and then two smaller ones, and you can toggle between them. So what I've generally done is uh, just use goal cams. So I'll throw up, you know, select some GoPro type cameras behind the goals. So my primary angle is usually that center ice one that pans back and forth. And then you've got that, those goal angles as well. So you can, you know, you can, uh, particularly for obviously for goalies, um, if you want to have them, you know, look at their angles and, you know, and if they're, they're staying nice and high or sinking back into the net, it makes it really easy for them to, to go through all the shots that they've faced. What, uh, what's the first step for a team out there that's hearing this and is saying, wow, that's pretty exciting. I would like to, to give that a try. Uh, what should they do? So uh, I'd say start by visiting my website. All my contact information is on there. Um, it's set up right now, like we said, it is you know absolutely free for everyone to use this season. I want to get people out there using it. Um, you know, for all the youth teams out there, the high school teams, even the you know we have some college club teams that are committed, providing we're we're all playing hockey in January still. Um, I would just want given yeah, given you know. Given the you know the challenges that we're all facing with COVID right now, it just made sense to me to, to you know get this out there, get it for free, get people using it, continue to get feedback and and improve the product. So um, my information is on there. You can you can be self-sufficient on there. It, you can go and register your organization and your team, you know. But I'd love to hear from you and you know and find out the different people that are that are interested in this and what your backgrounds are, if you're already using something and want to change it up or you've never used anything before. And, you know, I'm here as a resource. So um, contact me, I can help get you set up and, um, you know, talk about, again, going back to what's important to you. What's the best way to set this up to meet your needs? Well, Eric, you, you talked to us a lot about, uh, you know, I, I'm going to use the word your product, but to, to us, I mean, this is, this is an aid. I mean, this is going to get hockey players, coaches, and teams better. I understand we call it a product, but I think we should also call it an aid as well because it is something that is going to improve everyone that's involved in hockey. So as a coach and also as a big fan of hockey, uh, we, we thank you for that. Whatever, whatever that light bulb that went off, that's not, you need to do this. We are going to benefit from this uh, for sure. I can't suggest any more. To, to people out there to get on your website, check it out. I know for a fact that the team that I coach, we will be utilizing your uh, product here, your aid. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm 
really feel lucky to have come this far. Um, it's been, you know, a few years in the making, slow, steady progress, but it's really, really exciting to see, you know, it start to really catch hold and, uh, and to have the teams that, um, you know, that are, that are looking forward to, to utilizing it this, this season. It's, it's been an, an interesting journey thus far. Right. Well, yeah, it's really good stuff. And, and again, please go to the website. If you're listening to this, please go to the website, check it out, go to YouTube, check it out. Uh, this is a game changer for uh, youth high school uh, and, or any, I'll be honest with you. I know you, you said youth in high school and, and club, this is a game changer for higher levels as well. So with all the analytics and all that stuff. So congratulations, first of all, to you, Eric, for, for bringing this to us. Uh, and we wish you the best of luck with that. We are going to support it. I can tell you that. And hopefully our listeners uh, will support it as well. Um, it seems to me, and, and I want to say this to our listeners, this is not a, doesn't seem like a business uh, adventure for you as more as a passion adventure. So with that in mind, and, and I can say that, uh, and we've never met personally, but we're on the Zoom meeting together <laughs> with, with just listening to your passion of it. Um, I think that's why this product is so damn good is because there's passion behind it. There's not, there's no underlying reason other than passion. Well, I, I appreciate that. And it's, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to kind of probably fill every little role that you can. So, you know, you go back to when my kid was younger, I, I, you know, I coached his teams either as a head coach or an assistant coach. Like I said, I've done the stats for teams. I've been that parent in the stand. So what I've tried to do is take, you know, all of those different experiences that I've had and try to say, how can I make this the best for everyone that's involved in it? And it's going to use it. And I, I think it's, you know, it's probably given me a little bit different perspective than a lot of the, the bigger companies that approach this from more of a kind of, a, I don't know, a, a clinical type um, sure. approach. Sure. Well, again, Eric, thank you for taking the time spending with us. Uh, again, that's Athletic Performance Insight. Uh, Eric, again, we appreciate your time. Look forward to speaking with you more about this. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity, guys. All right. Have a great day. You too. Right. Thanks, Eric. Now we head back to Northeast Ohio to the Mentor Civic Arena, home of the Mentor Cardinals, to speak with Hall Mikito, the head coach of the top team in the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League for the last two years. The third period of this week's podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight, video and analytics system, amateur hockey, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more. Welcome our next guest to On Air. He's in his 10th season behind the bench at Mentor High School with the Cardinals, playing some of the best hockey ever. Mentor has not lost a league game in the Red Division of the Greater Cleveland High School Hockey League over the past two seasons, compiling an overall mark of 63-8-3 in that span and winning the Barron Cup in both 2019 and 2020. He was recognized as Ohio's Coach of the Year last spring after leading the Cardinals to an amazing run to the Kent State District Final. Welcome to On Air, head coach of the Mentor Cardinals, Paul Mikito. Welcome, Paul. Thanks, Coach. Pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on here, Paul. You and I have known each other for a long, long time, and, and I have to say I, was, I followed your last couple seasons uh, very, very uh, closely as, as I, I wanted no part of 
those teams that you put together uh, personally. But what a great uh, couple years you put together with Menor. Um, can you tell us a little bit to our listeners uh, about who you are? Uh, where did you grow up? Where did you get started? Uh, and, and how did you end up where you're at today? Um, well, I grew up in Western PA, um, played hockey at Duquesne, and then I moved here uh, late 90s. Uh, kind of was away from the game from a little bit as I transferred here for for a work obligation and I got back into coaching um, a good friend of mine Rob McKinley I'm sure you know Robbie um, we met at Mentor uh, just during a like a pickup game and you know he wanted to know if I was interested in coaching so we we kind of got together uh, we coached uh, the Mentor Junior Cardinals for a couple years um, where we played a kind of a triple a double a schedule and um, we were trying to expand the program. Um, this was back in the late, probably 99 to 2000 timeframe. And then uh, it wasn't going to work out. So we ended up at the Cleveland Panthers, who are now the Junior Jacks. Um, I was there for about eight years or so. And then I moved on to Midview, where I was there for a couple of seasons. Uh, and then uh, their opportunity came up at Menor and somebody reached out to me and you know asked if I would consider it and um, it was kind of a no-brainer especially with the 100 mile round trip commute to Illyria a couple couple nights a week so well, I, I, I didn't want to interrupt you Paul but I wanted our listeners to understand because you you live out in the Menor area correct I live in Willoughby so yeah my yeah. backyard's in Menor so yes so, and for our listeners and, and my, the first time I, I met Paul was when he was coaching Midview and Midview is Lorraine County, he, he, Paul, did you have to like stop and pee three times just to get to practice? <laughs> no, I didn't, but it was interesting sometimes during the winter. That's for sure. <laughs> so, no, so, uh, so you, you, you uh, are at Midview and I, uh, you build a good program at Midview and then you had the opportunity to take over at Menor. Right. Yeah. We, I had a couple good, good runs at, at Midview. We had two, uh, undefeated seasons in the league, a couple of Baron Cup appearances. And then a year after I left, they won the Baron Cup, which um, was nice to see because there's a lot of, you know, players that I that were still there in the program. It was it was nice that they were able to put that together. You know, even though I was gone, I was happy to see that program succeed and win the Baron Cup. And then, like I said, I, I moved on to Mentor. Um, uh, a friend of mine had a kid in the program and they were looking for some changes and the opportunity was there and uh, you know, it was close to home. It was a, a, a long, long, long history of the program. It's been there since 87. And uh, I felt like it was a good opportunity to, uh, to move on to, you know, bigger and better things. Well, certainly a, a long proud history of high school hockey at, at Menor. Uh, and you've certainly added to it uh, the last couple seasons. Um, it's exciting that uh, we're all talking about actually getting back on the ice this week. Uh, where are you with uh, getting your team back on the ice with all the, the regulations and protocols and that around COVID? Um, I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's kind of been business as usual for us. Uh, you know, we, we did our summer thing, even though it was a little bit delayed. Um, you know, we, we took advantage of the the OHSA and giving us the extra time to be on the ice with the kids in August. And, um, you know, we skated once a week, worked out 
twice a week off ice. So, um, you know, my guys are, they're primed and ready to go, you know, to start tomorrow. And, you know, we gave them three weeks off at the beginning of September. I just kind of wanted to see how, you know, the dust settled with the, with the COVID and everybody getting back to school. And um, fortunately for us, um, to this point, we've been unaffected by that, you know, physically or any, anyone being sick. So I guess that's a positive, um, you know, and uh, my guys are, they're, they're ready to get at it tomorrow for sure. So Paul, for our listeners, are, is your school remote or is your school uh, hybrid or how does that work? They're doing a hybrid. Um, you know, they split, split it in the alphabet, uh, okay. half, two days a week, half the other two. And, and they do a virtual on Wednesdays. Okay. Um, so as you said, you start tomorrow. I mean, all the high school teams are allowed to start tomorrow. Um, when, when do you guys, I mean, for our listeners, that don't know, we're allowed to start scrimmaging, uh, after a few days. When, when is your first game? Like when, are you guys going to get right after it again? Uh, typically, no. I, I usually don't like to do that. Um, I usually like to go for at least a week before we, we play a game. Um, and then we'll scrimmage Shaker right off the bat next Saturday. Uh, we'll, we'll do a varsity JV scrimmage back-to-back. Uh, you know, that's a good good way for us to get a feel for where we are and, you know, we got some holes to fill and see who's ready to make the jump to, you know, to the next level. Right. So uh, actually, you know, from coach to coach, let's talk about, you know, we, we received a, a pretty interesting email yesterday or two days ago about um, some recommendations and requirements that uh, we'll be asked to follow uh, with the state of Ohio. And in, in the front end of this podcast, we talked about it at the news, you know, social distancing on the bench, mass wearing on the bench, uh, when you, when the players come off, um, you know, I, I, I gave a pretty, I would say candid statement, Scott, I won't you agree that, that I, you know, I'm, I have a firm believer that this disease is real, but I'm also a realist that in the game of hockey, I, I don't know how real it is that, you know, since we're not allowed to take our helmets off and our face masks up and Paul, you've, you know, we didn't, we didn't talk about this, but you've done a lot of roughing in your life as well. You know, so how, how, how can we do this most effectively and safely at the same time not only for covid reasons but also player safety on the bench with pucks are flying right um you know and i i saw the email when it originally came out it was uh late last week i think it was and i expected there to be some pushback from from members of the coaching community which i think there was yeah um i mean honestly this year i've I've probably been on the ice already for 25 to 30 games as a, as an official and um, you know, with youth and some junior games and, you know, the coaches are wearing masks behind the, behind the bench, obviously, but the players are not, you know, they're masking up coming in and, and leaving the facilities. But uh, I thought it was an interesting move by the OHSAA. Um, but I spoke with my AD and it, you know, it's about the optics and, you know, it is safety and I, and I get it, but I, I don't know how we're going to manage it. Uh, I spoke with my guys today and I think we're going to go the route where, you know, in addition to the neck guards that we now wear, 
we're going to probably do a, a, like a gator style face sure. covering where they can kind of just pull it up quickly over their mouth and nose while they're on the bench. And, you know, when it's time to go out, they can choose to either pull it down or just play with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting dynamic to say the least. Uh, you know, and hopefully um, it's, it's the right solution for us. I mean, I don't know what other teams are going to do. I'm not sure how you're going to address it with your guys either, but. Well, I'm going to do, I'm yeah. going to do the same thing. And I, and, and I spoke at the beginning of this podcast is, you know, we're going to go with the Gator style as well. Um, and I'm going to heavily advise, but I, you know, I, I, I start, I talked to uh, uh, Scott and Danny earlier in this podcast about, you know, the realistic of a guy coming off the, off the ice, having to take his, his glove off, having to put the mask up. If we're not, I mean, even if we are going to use the Gator style, you can, I mean, what about those guys that wear the bubbles? I mean, it's hard to get your hands in there. Right. Right. So then they have to take their face mask unhooked up. And if they unhook their face mask up, that's a dangerous situation. We have a puck goes flying. Um, but it, it, I'm same, same way with you, Paul, I'm telling my guys, we're going to gator up. We're going to get it up as, as fast as we can. But if you come in, you're getting a sip of water and you go back out and you don't get your gator up. Well, that's just the way hockey rule or hockey works. You know, um, you know, I've watched a lot of these other sports that have gone on this fall and they're, you know, high-fiving and in huddles and hugging and, you know, when they get with the world series trophy. Yeah. Well, well, right. Whatever, (laughs) whatever, you know, and, and it's just, to me, it's, and I want to, I want to keep telling our, our listeners, man, I know this disease is real. Like I'm not saying it's not, but I also, we also have to be realistic in how, if we want sports, we want hockey. How, how can we do it? Cause this doesn't seem realistic to me. You know, it doesn't it, it, at all. So, I mean, we're, we're going to do it cause we have to do it. Right. I know Paul, you're going to do it because right. you have to do it. And we're going to, and I, cause I know how you coach and that's the way it works. But you know, if it's, if it can't be done and, and you talked about the optics of it, if, if a player comes on the bench and is uses an inhaler and is drinking water and doesn't have his mask up for 45 seconds, the last phone call we deserve is, is, well, why didn't they have their mask on? Right. You know, so. And, and the thing, the big thing too, like if, if you think about it, let's think about a, a, a fall sport, for instance, like football, right? You know, you got linemen, and running backs and especially like the linemen, you know, they're in close contact with, you know, several other players, the entire game. Right. And they're not wearing masks. You know, they were wearing an open, you know, a helmet with, you know, no visor or anything over it. Right. Kind of the same situation. And then when they go to the bench, you know, they put the gator up or, or they're supposed to, I mean, I haven't been to a high school football game this year, but yeah, yeah. They put the, they put their gators up with their face masks right. on, on the sidelines. Right. Sure. So, but I mean, I don't know. I, it's going to have to work. Um, it, it is what it is, but you, you know, and the, the thing too, that there's a question mark is, you know, some of the rinks we play in, I mean, there's, there's barely enough, 
room on there for, you know, three or four coaches <laughs> and, and, and your guys, you know, how, how is it going to be possible for them to be socially distanced on a bench? It just doesn't, it, it can't be done. I mean, you know, Winterhurst is very tight, you know, with the, with the benches there. I mean, fortunately for us, we have, you know, pretty wide open space and then there's room behind the benches to stand if we, if we have to go to that. Right. But I, I mean, the, the problem is in, I'm sure people didn't think of it this way. So, you know, you have a group that's on the ice for five guys and then you have five more that are at the ready. So are you going to have to keep shuffling guys around from one side of the bench to the other? I mean, that's a lot of things to manage in the course of a hockey game, you know, just because our game moves so quick. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think I, I said earlier, I think the only benches in, in the entire Cleveland area, and I, I would venture to say the state, because I, I, we played in a ton of rinks, would be Kent State because it's a it's a college uh, bench and it's they're huge, right? But they're they're melting their ice, so we you know we can't we can't utilize that. So I, I it's going to be something that that we're going to have to do. And I and and again, Paul, you and I have coached with a lot of these coaches around high school hockey in, in the Cleveland area. And I, I know that these guys, uh, including ourselves, will do the right thing to make sure that our players comply. Um, but it, it, at some point, there's it, it almost seems like, and again, I go back to this. Is it going to take a kid who, ta- who takes his helmet off to put his mask on and, and maybe gets hit with a puck to say this is not the right? Like, then, then if, this, if this is it, make us wear masks the whole time, right? Right. So, um, my, my son was playing youth at Gilmore and they were, they went to a tournament in Michigan and it was masked for everybody, referees included, you know, electronic whistles. How did that go? Well, (laughs) funny thing is we ended up not going because he's a freshman at Gilmore and, uh, he was at, uh, like a captain's ice, uh, you know, they have some free ice for the kids during during the school day or after. And uh, one of the players he was on the ice tested positive. So he was on the shelf for two weeks because he was with contact tracing. Oh, I got you. He knew he was there. So he was at home for, for two weeks. So he didn't get to go to the tournament. But um, yeah, the kids were playing with masks on. The refs, refs had the gators up you know, electronic whistles, you know, the whole nine yards. So yeah. it was interesting, yeah, you know, and he, he, he skated with his, like, you know, with the attendant intent of going like a couple practices before. And he said, dad, it was unbelievably hot, you know, with, with the hot air blowing like right on your face the whole oh, time. Yeah. Um, so he said it was, you know, he was fine, but it, it was kind of a pain in the butt. I mean, to be honest right. with you. And, and I, I have, and we, you know, we got uh, some correspondence with uh, um, an email with, with John Malloy, who I have the utmost respect for. And, and, and John wrote in one of the emails that, you know, if we have to wear masks, then, then we have to wear masks. And, and, and I, I would agree with John if that's the case, but I go back to what you're saying as well, because I, I think we're all in the same boat uh, that it's what's best and safest 
for everybody, not just the kids or us, but everybody in the rink. But I go back to what you just said, Paul's how, how can, how can all these other sports, you know, my, my daughter plays varsity volleyball and she's two, two feet from somebody at the net from the other team. Right. You know, so I, I just think it, we have to have uniformity and, and, and hopefully we, we can get there. You know, and I, uh, quite honestly, I thought maybe it was going to be a little lax with the fall sports because they're typically all outside with the exception of volleyball. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a lot easier for them to have their spacing from one athlete to the next, but you know, you got basketball coming up, you have wrestling, wrestling hockey, um, swimming, gymnastics, right. all of it. Exactly. I mean, gymnastics, I could see that's probably not that big of a problem, but more, more of an individual sport. Right. Right. But I mean, wrestlers that are going to be grappling with each other for six minutes, you know, yeah, that's worse than football. Right. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to say the least, just another uh, thing to deal with this year. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting season. It's going to be fluid. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Right. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, there's no teams that uh, get affected by it and, you know, have to quarantine and miss a couple weeks. Um, Cause you know how, how our season is. It's so compact. Like once you start, you're pretty much full go from now until, you know, you're eliminated in the state tournament with, with very limited time off other than maybe around you know the end of uh the year new year's but uh man it's uh it's gonna be yeah. an interesting year it is i and i kind of laugh because every time uh, at this time of the year paul and i know you probably go through this well so we got one one more night's sleep one more right <laughs> <laughs> one one more before it gets going so when is your first orig- when's your first scheduled game not scrimmage um that would be uh, the, the 20th of November is our first uh, Red Division game. I think uh, we have Benny at home that, that night. It's a Friday. So, so talk, talk to our listeners who, and we, we have got a lot of high school hockey listeners. Uh, talk to our listeners about what, what, what does Mentor look like this year? Like what, you know, obviously you've had some really good teams the last couple of years. You know, that train is rolling in the right direction. What does Mentor look like this year? Um, Mentor looks, uh, we're going to be pretty solid. Um, we, you know, we lost Alex Toth, uh, in that, uh, who was, you know, pretty much a, a stalwart for us for the past two years. Um, you know, he moved on, he's, he's playing, uh, juniors in Columbus now, but, uh, we have, uh, two senior goaltenders, uh, Madeline Adamick and Garrett Davis, um, Garrett was with the program. Then he left to uh, play a little club hockey. And then he decided that uh, he came, he came back last year and um, he wasn't really ready to, to play varsity uh, last year, but uh, he decided over the summer that, uh, you know, he wanted, he wanted to be the guy. Um, And he's a very solid goaltender. And and of course, Maddie is, um, you know, she's one of the, top female goaltenders at her age and she's been that way for years yeah um you know she's on a national radar she's got um you know 
Division one potential without question. Um, she's been to the national camps and she's a, she's a highly touted female goaltender. And so, you know, as far as that position goes, we're, um, you know, it's going to be like one, one, a for us again this yeah. year. Um, I don't think there's going to be a question who's in that, that, you know, the, the, the group's going to be confident in front of them. Uh, we, you know, we took a little hit uh, losing Kyle, um, who uh, set our all-time scoring record last year for, for, the, for the career with uh, 208 points he's finished with. But uh, we still have several good forwards. Uh, Andy McBride, um, who's a senior this year, um, he's poised to break Kyle's record. And it, it, it's an interesting dynamic as he'll be the third player in the third consecutive year. If he breaks it to break the all-time scoring record at Mentor, his wow. brother did it as a senior. Kyle did it as a senior. And now Andy's, I think he's sitting at uh, about 190 points right now. So he, you know, based on his, you know, performance, you know, his first three seasons as a card, you know, if he continues that pace, which, um, you know, I suspect he will, um, he should eclipse that mark some way, somewhere in the middle of the season. Um, got some great senior leadership, uh, Mitch Elliott, who's, who's a real nice player. Um, um, Jack O'Donnell, uh, real gritty, solid forward. Um, returning Eric Toth, who was a sophomore last year that had over 50 points, had a breakout season as a sophomore. You know, and I expect more of the same from him. Um, uh, we got a real nice player on D who, who's a Lake student, um, but he played for us last year and he's back again as a senior, Benito Casamata, uh, real gritty, um, solid puck moving D man who's, who's real physical. Um, yeah, and I don't, I don't mean to cut you off there, but I think some of our listeners get a little confused. And how can a Lake Catholic player? play for mentor high school well as everybody knows well a lot of people know that they're in the hockey community that the lakes program went dormant a couple years back so because they're in our district and they're a private school if a private school doesn't have the sport they can play for the public school that's in their district yeah so benny benny played for us last year along with Amadio cantini so Benny's back. And then uh, we also have another player, Matt Kish, who's a nice, nice forward. who's going to be a welcome addition to the club too. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you know, that's a great thing that the state is allowed to happen. Um, and, you know, a lot of people do get, got confused and, and I'm sure you heard it as well last year, Paul, or like how the hell are these late Catholic kids playing for Mentor, Right. Well, it, it's, it, you know, we, we cannot not afford players or student athletes, the opportunity to play a sport that they love, uh, just because their their school doesn't offer it, right? So, right. so I'm, I'm, that's 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 really really uh, good, and, I, and I, I'm glad that those players had the opportunity. When Lake Catholic went dormant, I'm glad those players had the opportunity to, you know, jump onto a team and be able to play. No doubt. And you guys will uh, kind of have the targets on your back this year too. We mentioned in the open that you haven't lost a league game in two years. So uh, do you think you're one of the teams that uh, your opponents are going to circle on the calendar and get up to play? 
Uh, I mean, yeah, if we, you know, if the situation was reversed and, you know, uh, we were playing somebody else and that's, you know, their league record for the past few years, absolutely. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you look forward to those games and, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's good. It's going to make sure that we're ready and, you know, we're up for the challenge every night. Um, and it, I like it that way, um, you know, because it, it makes the kids work and they know that, you know, they have to be their best every time they, they hop over the boards, you know, no matter who we're playing, um, because there's going to be teams that are there that are going to want to beat us and, you know, they're going to want to tarnish that tarnish that uh, perfect record, so to speak, over the past two seasons. But uh, my guys are pretty good about um, not looking back, but not looking forward to they're they're really good at staying focused on, you know, what they have to do on every any given night, no matter who the opponent is. And, um, you know, they, they've learned to trust the system, you know, trust the coaches and trust each other. And, you know, that's a big part of our success over the past couple seasons that the, you know, the kids buy into what, you know, to the way we want them to play. And, you know, the bottom line is that, you know, they're not playing for me, they're playing for each other. And that's been a a huge part of uh, our success over the past couple seasons. Absolutely. I will say that uh, I was at the uh, Kent district championship game last year and you guys against Gilmore, I tell you what, that was high school hockey just about as good as I've seen it. That was a great game. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the past three years, we've kind of met each other uh, at some point along the way in a, in a pretty big game to either get to that game or get through it. Um, you know, it was a daunting task and uh, we thought we were prepped and ready and, you know, things were looking good for, for the first period or so, or half the first period, we did exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to score first and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to make our kids believe that uh, they belong to be there, you know, so to speak. Well, but, well they uh, definitely uh, played like they belonged in that game for sure. That was a, that was a good one. Sometimes uh, one player or one line on one team or the other gets hot. And I just remember they had the, uh, it was Charlie Tuggy, Frankie yeah. Valenti, and uh, I forget who the third kid was, the bigger kid. Yeah, I think uh, that was their their gray line. Yeah, they just started. They were dancing around, and uh, Coach Malloy just kept sending them out every other shift. You could just tell they had it. They had it going that night. Right, and you know, you got to give Coach credit. I mean, he's been around the block, and you know, you, you know how it is as a coach, Sully. Uh, you got guys that are, that are clicking and they're humming along, yep. you, you know, you never want to take them off the ice. So you gotta, let, you gotta let them do what they do. Yeah. You, you know, know, I ran, I ran in, I ran into that buzz saw twice last year that coach <laughs> Malloy had. And um, it was something special for sure. And, and um, you know, you, you're right, Paul, you know, when, when you get those kids that are, that are just doing what they do and it's clicking, it's hard to keep them off the ice. You're right. And I, and, and listen, you know, we've all been on that side where those kids have been clicking. We've all been on the other side too. We're like, Oh gosh, do they have, can't they take a break? Can they get on right. the, on the bench for a little bit? <laughs> you know? So, exactly. so, well, Hey Paul, I, I, you know, we thank you for coming on the, uh, the show here. Um, talk a little bit about yourself, about mentor hockey. Uh, 
talking a little bit about what the state's doing leading up to tomorrow, the start of our season. Um, you know, we look forward to watching you. We look forward to watching the Mentor Cardinals. Uh, again, I want to say I'm happy that all kids out in these areas are able to play no matter what school they go to. Uh, but um, thanks for sharing your story and, and stuff with uh, Mentor Hockey. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be talking to you at the uh, end of uh, January and February leading up to a Baron Cup uh, and a state run. Without a doubt, it's, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad I was able to get, get together with you guys and do this. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, for, for you and I and the rest of the Cleveland hockey community, you know, we get to play a full season and, uh, you know, we get to crown a state champion this year. Absolutely. All right, Paul, stay safe and uh, good luck this year. You too. Thank you. Thanks, right, Coach. Take care. Well, Scott, what a great uh, show we had today. Uh, able to speak with Eric uh, and Paul. And I'll tell you what, speaking with Eric, uh, you know, I, I the Athletic Performance Insight program, uh, and I'm not a program guy. And anyone who knows me knows that I, I have trouble logging on to email, let alone <laughs> programming, right? But the program that Eric has put together for athletic performance insight was blowing my mind and my, and, and again, yeah, you guys are laughing. I mean, my, my wheels are spinning on how we can get almost real time data to help yeah. our teams grow. Yeah, you can. It's almost, he can give you so much information. Like I said, it's almost to the point where, okay, you need to pick what it is you want. So there's not a lot of noise. You know, there's so much there. You can pick and choose what you, what you want to focus on. What do you find valuable? And the whole thing with analytics, that's, that could be a whole other show in itself. Like how uh, coaches. Well, I'm definitely not going to be on that show. I yeah. can tell you that. I, <laughs> you guys would lost me at the word analytics. Trust me. But uh, <laughs> I can't even you know, pronounce the damn word half yeah. the time. <laughs> but what is the value? How do you use it? I think you could have 20 different coaches and they would all use it differently. But I, I think that, you know, some people get criticized for use, relying on it too much. Like, well, the numbers are the guy handed me a spreadsheet that says I'm supposed to do this. So that's how I'm going to start deploying my players and that, right. you know, you don't have to do that. It's, it just, you know, it's, it's not unlike uh, when they have scouts do cross-checking, it's just having another uh, piece of information that's either going to verify what you thought you were seeing, or it's going to disagree with what you thought you were seeing and make you look at it again. So right, it's right. just extremely valuable. And I tell you what, I talked to Eric on the phone. I don't think it was more than three weeks ago. And it's further along than when I talked to him on the phone. Like that Corsi stuff, If I'm pretty sure when we spoke three weeks ago, it didn't do that. Okay. And, but that, and then he said he's got another update coming out next week. So um, he's really, he's really uh, building on this thing. And it's, it's, uh, it's great. It's like, you know, it's not just for, for pros or call it big time college programs. Anybody can, can use it. I think the big challenge is, is just collecting all those data points. If you think about watching a hockey game and everything happens so fast and you're tapping away like crazy, just trying to record everything that happens. That's the, I think the biggest challenge is finding someone on your, you know, a parent or an assistant coach or manager or whatever that you trust can collect all that data uh, accurately. But once you have it, there's a lot you can do with it. Absolutely. 
And then we had an uh, awesome uh, conversation with head coach of the Mentor Cardinals, Paul Makito. And, and, you know, I've known Paul for a long time. And, um, you know, the what not only what he's done with Mentor, but like when he was at Midview, what he did with Midview, uh, what he's done with Mentor, uh, how he refs games. You know, if you, you get Paul Makito as a ref, you know, you're going to get a solid, fair game. So, mm-hmm. you know, what he's doing with all these, you know, it's it's the common denominator in a lot of this success, whether it's Midview, whether it's Mentor Youth, whether it's Mentor High School or good hockey games being refed, is Paul Makito. That's that's the common denominator. So it was really good to catch up with Paul. It was good to listen to what Mentor's got on the horizon. I appreciate you sp- speaking to him about the game last year. You're right. Mentor High School deserved to they, be in that game. Oh, they were right with them. Absolutely. You know, so um, they are on the scene. They were always on the scene, uh, yeah. but they're really on the scene now. And uh, uh, again, like he reiterated, I hope we, we do have a season moving forward. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that closes the book on episode 27 of On Air. Thank you to our guests, Eric Cagnia of Athletic Performance Insight and Mentor Cardinals head coach, Paul Mikito. Check us out next week when we'll talk to the News Herald sports writer, Chris Lilstrong, and Wendy Brown, director of the Cleveland Lady Barons. You can find the On Air podcast at www.ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes and archives, as well as a list of future guests. You can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Continue to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest Podcast. See you, management. That pleasure is to blame. Make no difference what you say. Yeah.